Good morning. How are we all doing today? You guys doing all right? Welcome. I'm Andrew. I'm the family pastor here at Pathway. Now, how many of you, now that we're halfway through December, have found the perfect Christmas tree? And it's in your living room. Anyone? You think you found it? Okay. Maybe it's the same one as last year because it's fake and it's like, that's beautiful. But once a year, my wife, Sonia, looks at me, laughs and shakes her head. Because as we are putting up the Christmas tree that we cut down, different one every year, I have this tradition of pulling out my laser level (laughs) and shining a beautiful red beam right down the trunk and getting it perfectly plump. Okay, I'm most of you like that. And we don't have a perfect tree, but it's perfectly straight. There's no such thing, unfortunately, as a perfect tree. And that is the message that I am going to share with you today, which got bah, 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 jokes on me. I really wish there was. We are in week two of a message series called The Family Tree of Jesus. And uh, I'm not sure if that's working all right, but uh, that's right. We're in, the fa- in this series called the, the Family Tree of Jesus, and I get this chance to share with you about how there is no perfect family tree. Now, I'm going to share some things that um, may kind of stir up some different things from your own past. I just want to say that from the outset, and I want you to know that there's, there's going to be hope through all of this. And I hope that... Uh, that you come away from this encouraged and inspired and excited about life, even if you have quite the family history. So last week, Pastor Nathan shared about how the, the good news of great joy that will be for all the people, like the New Testament truth, starting in Matthew, how it all starts with a genealogy you kidding me? Like 42 names. He read every single one of them. Don't worry, I won't do that for you today. Uh, he went through and like, so why does like, why does like this best news ever, okay? That we want to share with the whole world. Why does it start with just a list of names? Okay, so a few things for you. Uh, maybe it's that uh, the Bible's rooted in historical reality. So it's not just a set of beliefs or philosophy. It's rooted in history, okay? Then it includes names of people because God works in and through people. It's not just about like events, it's about people. Then last week, Pastor Nathan shared how the names that were listed there are not just Jewish men, although that's most of them. It's also about how outsiders are invited in. So the Christmas story is for outsiders. So you'll see if you read Matthew 1, it's not just Jews. It's Gentiles invited in. I'm not a Jew. I'm invited in. Uh, in, this, in, the, in the genealogy, it lists women. They're invited in. Uh, it's beautiful. Christmas is for outsiders. Uh, and then finally, as we're going to find out today, the Christmas story and this whole idea of the family tree of Jesus is about like God working even in the middle of mistakes and failures, including with tech. (laughs) Today, uh, we're going to zoom on a few different characters uh, that kind of highlight the the top end of this genealogy. So I'm going to read from Matthew 1, 
And uh, it starts like this. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Okay, so if you are hearing that as a, a you know first century Jew, you're like, yeah, what's up? That's my family. Like You just listed off like the best of the best, right? So you just listed off. You've got uh, Jesus, boom, he's there. David, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Like This is like a family tree of royal pedigree. Like This is the who's who of the Old Testament listed right there. Now, I've got to ask you, how many of you know your own family tree? Okay. How many of you, uh, some of you would know, maybe, maybe you know like three generations, maybe four. A few years back, we had five generations. Maybe uh, you, you don't actually know uh, a lot of your origin story. Maybe um, you're fostered or adopted and you know pieces of your family, okay? Uh, that's all fine. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. What we're going to talk about today uh, is that there's beauty no matter what your family tree looks like. And last week, I got a chance to spend a little bit of time with my extended family. So uh, my grandpa passed away, and he had 125 descendants. Like, how, how wild is that? So we were hanging like 60, 70 of us all together. So fun. And I found out things about my family that I had never known before. So four generations of Friesens lived in like modern day Ukraine back in like the 1800s. Then uh, they moved to southern Manitoba. Then in the mid 1900s, I knew this, they moved to Mexico. My dad was actually born in Mexico, fun fact. And uh, that's why I like tacos so much. They're just delicious. Uh, And anything Mexican, to be honest. And then they moved to southern Manitoba and eventually northern Ontario. And here I am. Well, that's, that's kind of fun. So now, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm finding out things about my own family tree that I never knew before. I had uh, great-great-great-grandparents, uh, you know, two, two guys named Abraham, two guys named, I think, Peter, two guys named Jacob, and my dad, no, me. Okay, so, so now I'm, like, starting to piece things together, right? So we've got names, but I still don't have, like, stories. And maybe you've got names of ancestors, but there's, like, if you were to go on Ancestry.com, and find out different things. Oh, it's cool. I got like some family from like England or Scotland, or it's, but it still doesn't tell you much about who you are, right? But then I found out different stories about my grandparents. Like uh, my grandpa had 12 kids. Okay. So that's wild. That's a quick way to get to 125 descendants. Uh, and they took in four Vietnamese refugees back in the late seventies. And one of them, my grandpa paid a dollar a day for every day that he didn't smoke. It's like, okay, uh, super generous at that time. And on top of like food and accommodations, like, uh, that's what he did. And, uh, so you find out different things about your family. Like, oh, that's interesting. Not quite sure what to think about that. And you probably think the same thing about your own family as you find out more about who you are. There's things in your own story. And like, wow, like there's inspiration there. There's legacy there. Maybe there's things in your own story that's like, oh, there's like some serious mess there some regret, and everything in between. Am I right? There is everything in between in my family and probably yours too. So when Matthew 1 was read and they heard those names, they're not just thinking names. They're thinking legacies, regrets, mistakes, faithfulness, and everything in between. So let's jump to David, okay? Let's find out about David, okay? Now, David is a man after God's own heart. 
He wrote a good chunk of the Psalms, including some of the most famous ones, like Psalm 23. He defeats Goliath. He's the underdog that becomes the second king of Israel. Like, go David. Like, you're, you're on fire, man. Did you know there's actually a shadow side to David's life? Like, actually a pretty significant shadow side? Last week, Pastor Nathan mentioned a guy named Uriah, whose wife was Bathsheba. I won't go too much in depth on it, except to say that, yes, King David uh, decided that he wanted someone else's wife, took that wife, and in trying to cover it up, sent a message through the dude to have the dude killed, okay? Killed him, still tried to cover it all up. Eventually, his family, you know, uh, he lost a child because of it, okay? Then uh, it didn't end there, uh, not just like, not just betrayal, not just adultery, not just murder. Then he goes on, uh, and she, she becomes his eighth wife. Eighth wife? Okay, so a bit of a, bit of a family mess there. Then also he does some different things. Uh, it ends up killing like 70,000 people because of the decision he made. So like, if, if, if David were alive today, he'd be like canceled 10 times over, right? He'd be canceled, absolutely. And it just reminds me as I come to that story that, like, we're complex people. You know, David was a man after God's own heart, loved him, wanted to serve him, made terrible mistakes. And in the middle of all that, like, God was present. God was there. So no matter what your reality is, okay, in the middle of your, like, wanting to honor God, maybe, or you're, like, wanting to have your life together and the mess, God's in the middle of that right now. Hey, um... How many of you have the perfect family tree? Like when you think about your family, you might spend some time with them at Christmas here. Like anyone have like the perfect family tree? I certainly don't. I love my family. They're amazing. You might have the perfect Christmas tree in your living room, but you probably don't have the perfect family tree. Your family tree might look a little bit more like this. <laughs> I was talking with someone after service. They're like, no, forget all the branches. It's just like a single like pole. Okay. Uh, you know, God meets us in the middle, not just of like our ideal, but in the middle of reality. That's where God meets us. And thing about family is uh, every family has dysfunction. Okay. Every family has dysfunction. There's, there's, just mess in all of our lives. And the beautiful thing about Matthew 1 is it introduces the Christmas story is that it shows that Jesus's was no exception. Okay? His family, okay? even like Jesus, the Son of God, like even his family had dysfunction. Okay, so let's continue on. Let's go to uh, Matthew 1 verse 2 where it talks about this guy named Abraham. Okay? Abraham was a man of faith. Okay? He's like the father of the Jewish nation. And uh, he believes God and ends up tracking with God into a different area. Leaves kind of his hometown and trusts God on a promise that he would have so many descendants that they would uh, like number the sands of the seashore. Okay, so he's got faith. Okay? Uh, which is beautiful. You can read about it in Genesis. But did you know there's a shadow side to Abraham's life? Okay? One of the things that happens, he's living in this place called Canaan. They run out of food. They head over to Egypt. And on the way to Egypt, he's thinking, wait, wait, wait. I've got like one of the most beautiful women as my wife. Her name's Sarai. He's like, this could end really badly for me. They might kill me, take my wife. Because uh, that's just basically how things went back then. Uh, and so he's like, 
What am I going to do? Okay, uh, I'll tell them she's my sister. So, <laughs> brilliant idea, right? Wow. Uh, so what happens was, uh, he, he goes, they, they're like, wow, she's beautiful. They want to take her uh, to be one of their wives. He's like, oh, no. God miraculously, like, oh, yeah, imagine that. Hey? Uh, God miraculously shows up, saves her, okay? So here we see in Abraham's life, cowardice, okay? We see selfishness, willing to put his own needs in front of even his wife, okay? That happens in Genesis 12. Guess what? Genesis 20, he does the same thing in a different place with a different king. God miraculously spares him. It's like, what are you doing, man? Okay, then he has a son in Isaac. Guess what Isaac does? The same thing. I actually, with the same king, Abimelech, that pattern that had been set by Abraham surfaced in his own life. Maybe you have something in your own life that your parents struggled with, and guess what? It's surfacing in your own life. Don't worry, there's hope here, okay? I'm like, we're all just like, oh no, like you're just, you're talking to me, Andrew. Okay. Maybe that pattern continues. There is hope, there is grace in the middle of it. So then Isaac has a son named Jacob and Esau. Esau's the firstborn. Jacob wouldn't have had the birthright, but Jacob's like, hmm, what am I going to do? I got I to get some extra stuff. So the, kind of that pattern of selfishness continues. And, uh, and Jacob's like, I know what. My dad Isaac's getting going blind. I'm going to trick him into giving me the blessing. So that's what he does. He dresses up like his, uh, his older brother. And he deceives Jacob, his dad, into giving, uh, sorry, Isaac, his dad, into giving him the blessing. Okay, not only that, you, you see in like this pattern of a bit of a shadow side in the Old Testament, then uh, his daughter, Dina, has something awful done to her. He doesn't even like respond. The Bible's silent on what Jacob actually did. I don't know that he actually responded to it. So it's like, he's an unproductive dad. It's like, guys, get it together. But Matthew 1, okay, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, Abraham, the father of Isaac. Like, wait, like, we did read Genesis, right? Like, these guys are messed up. So what is going on here? The beauty of it, and this is, this is the message of hope that I hope really lands with you. It's that God works through, okay, through sinful, broken people including Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, including myself, including you. So um, the whole Old Testament is filled with stuff like this. And, and some of it's actually pretty graphic. Uh, I've got a little children's Bible here. Uh, how many of you have ever read a children's Bible? Okay, There's like, yeah, awesome. There's like 25, 30 stories. They're normally pretty short because the rest of the Bible, they're like, ooh, we can't tell that to kids. Um, so, so here is like a pretty thick comic book version of the Bible. And I was talking to a, a mom a few years back. She, she had her grade three son reading it. And she was like, Andrew, like, you know what's in there, right? It's like war, death, murder, fires. Like, it's, it's all there, worshiping other, uh, other gods, like, crazy stuff going down, which please do read the Bible, okay? I'm not saying don't read the Bible, but the point is not that the Bible is filled with people that have it all together, okay? Spoiler alert, the Bible is not filled with people that have it all together. They're messed up people like you and I that need God's love and grace. Read the Bible. 
but you just need to know like what the whole point is, okay? And uh, yeah, there is some, some wild stuff in there. Now, I've told you about some guys that wanted to follow God, wanted to serve him, and God worked through them in spite of how broken they are. You guys want a little bit more dirt on someone else? Yeah? All right. Okay. Let's go to uh, King Ahaz, who is the great, 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 great grandson of King David. So this guy, he's, he's like, he's, he's part of like Jesus' family tree. Just, yeah, wait till you find out what he does. Okay. So it says in Second Chronicles 28, it says, Ahaz was 20 years old. And when he began to reign, uh, reign. Uh, how many, how many of you would love to be like 20 and a king? Like that's a lot of pressure. Okay. But, uh, he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem and he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord as his father, David had done. And it says this, but he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He even made metal images for the Baals. I cut off the next few verses here because it talks about like some like atrocious things that he does even to his own family members. You could read it in second Chronicles 28. The point is, this guy, like, did not want to follow God's ways. He followed the pattern of every nation around him that did, like, atrocities, okay? And uh, God had given it him and the other kings of, of Israel and Judah. If you read the Old Testament, kind of the second half of the Old Testament, it's like a lot of stories of, like, God saying, guys, 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 here's what I want for you. It's a beautiful life. It's a life of freedom, hope, renewal, joy. Oh, no, God, we're not doing that. We're doing this. Come on. And they just go their own way, and God keeps saying, hey, hey, hey. Come on back to my way. It doesn't follow it. Eventually, here's what happens. 2 Chronicles 28, verse 5. Therefore, the Lord his God gave him into the hand of the king of Syria, who defeated him and took captive a great number of his people and brought them to Damascus. And then this. He was also given into the hand of the king of Israel, who struck him with great force. For Pekah, the son of Remaliah, killed 120,000 from Judah in one day. All of the men of valor, because they had forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers. Okay, that's a lot of mess. Okay, because of someone that decided, no, 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 I don't want to follow God's way. I don't want that. I want to go my own way. And some of you would know uh, a prophecy about how, uh, how Jesus was to be born of a virgin She'll call his name Emmanuel. Well, the context of that prophecy, which we'll read in a second, is actually King Ahaz. He's ruling at this time. The prophet Isaiah says to him, like, hey, God, believe it or not, even with all that's going on, God is going to redeem Israel. He's going he's gonna, to, like, bring fruit. It's going to be a time of blessing. Ahaz is like, I don't know. And he says this. But Ahaz says, I will not ask. And I will not put the Lord to the test. Because Isaiah had said, like, just test him, test him. He's going to come through for you. He has, no, 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 I'm not going to test him. And Isaiah said, hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. You don't want a sign? Too bad. I'm going to give you a sign anyway. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall call his name Emmanuel. That's talking about Jesus, born like hundreds of years later. So in the middle of Ahaz's like wickedness, the evil in his own heart that caused like the death of so many people, even in spite of that, God's like, no, 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 trust me. I'm bringing someone who's going to set the world right. 
I'm bringing a redeemer that's going to make sense of this whole Old Testament story, this whole lead up to, uh, to Jesus. So um, that is, that's pretty wild. Hey, I want to ask you, just to kind of bring this whole idea home, do you believe that God works in spite of our mistakes? Like, or do you have to have it all together for God to show up? Like, God works through us and in spite of us. And that's a beautiful truth of Scripture that we can hold on to, that no matter what your home looks like, no matter what your friendship circle looks like, no matter what your past looks like, there is hope because of God, okay? Because of God. So what's your, let's just talk about family for a second. What's your family like, okay? Your family tree this Christmas, maybe you get to spend a little bit of time with them. How are you feeling about that? You excited? Like, oh, it's going to be great. I love my family, uncles and aunts, different people, kids. It's going to be special for all, all of us to be together. Or is it like, well, we'll see how that goes. You know, you're just kind of holding your breath. Uh, there's everything, right? There's everything. But I just want to say, like, no matter what your family or lack of family is like, God can work in and through it. So I want to kind of want to wrap up with two, two big ideas, okay? The first is this. If your past involves dysfunction, there's hope for you, okay? When you think about your own past, maybe there's things that have surfaced over the past number of years, and you're like, wow, there's, there's a lot of hurt there and grief. God works through that. Recently, I've been listening to an audiobook. Um, it's called Some Kind of Crazy. Really recommend it. And it's uh, an autobiography of a guy who calls himself uh, a redneck from coal dust, Pennsylvania. And his family was dysfunctional, as he says. I mean, they, uh, they broke the law at any chance they got when it benefited them. They're poachers. Uh, they, uh, the dude's, uh, the author's grandpa blew up someone else's house because he was mad with them. Like, no lie. Uh, they, they, there was just, like, sexual promiscuity. There was all sorts of different things that just, like, uh, childhood abuse, like, you name it, okay, dysfunction. And uh, as I listened to it, I, I teared up because, like, man, this guy's been through it all. And then it's the story, not just of, like, dysfunction, but it's a story of hope and renewal of life that comes through Jesus. It's powerful. And uh, I want to share something that... Uh, the author Terry Worrell is his name, that he says in an interview, he says this, I don't think the kingdom of God works really well for rule keepers and scorekeepers and fame seekers, but for the rest of us, blessed are the broken because God wants to bring them close and hold them and love them. Isn't that powerful? Like no matter what past dysfunction you've been through, there's hope. And uh, I was just thinking about this. Um, if as a child, you did not feel loved, there was people that you felt like, I, I don't know if they love me or if I can even trust them. Maybe you even experienced something traumatic from that. I just want you to hear this. Like, God's safe, loving arms can hold you. You're safe with him. If you've experienced family drama, in the past, like there's just like a weird mess of like internal conflict in your family, whether it's immediate family, extended family, friendship circles, like God's love, his love can meet you right in that. 
can heal you from that. That's not the end of your story. Your story is not finished. If maybe you have something from your own past, bitterness, regret, you wish you could do some part of life over, guess what? God's forgiveness is for you, okay? Because he works in and through mistakes. That's why Jesus came, okay? To restore us, to give us life, to give us a new hope and future. So that's, we're talking about past. And there's hope regardless of your past. And now I just want to talk about your present, okay? If, that's not something from years ago, but if your present involves dysfunction, same thing. There's hope for you. Right here, right now. It's not about you getting your life all together and then God's going to love you. God loves you in the middle of your brokenness. In the middle of those like habits that you can't break out of. Maybe there's an addiction to something. Like God will meet you right there, right here, right now, and bring hope and freedom. Not because of something that you do, okay? But because of something God does for you. And that's the scandal of grace. The scandal of grace is that this Old Testament, okay, is, is pointing out how much we need God. And it's, it's different than every other religion out there because it's talking about how it's not something that we earn on our own. It's something that God does through sending his son Jesus to die for us on the cross, taking his sin, or taking our sin upon himself, dying on our behalf so that we can have new life and freedom. That's like the scandal of grace. And I read something this past week that I want to share with you about this idea. It says, the radical message of the gospel is that our problem, let's just call it what it is, sin, is worse than anything we could ever imagine, but also that the solution, like beautiful grace, is better than anything we could ever deserve. Hell's full of people who think they deserve heaven. Heaven is full of people who know they deserve hell. Like, we don't deserve God's love and forgiveness and blessing. But that's, like, that's where the power is. Like, that's where there's freedom and hope and renewal. And he offers it to you and to anyone that's willing to trust in what Jesus did on our behalf, okay? The thing is, there's no perfect tree, okay? There's no perfect family tree. There's no perfect tree. But there is a perfect Savior. And the Christmas story reminds us is in the middle of brokenness, in the middle of Jesus' messed up family tree, in the middle of our own messed up past, messed up present, God meets us. And as we turn our lives to him and surrender ourselves fully to him, he's going to love us. And we experience healing and hope and restoration. And I want that for you. So I just want you to know this, okay? That your past doesn't have to be your future that God is offering you a new way as you trust in him, as you work through it with him at, at your side, his loving arms around you. So Christmas is for everyone, even dysfunctional families. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that, that you just meet us in the middle of our hurt and brokenness. We just say here that we need you. And God, I want you to show up in my life, in the life of everyone that's listening to my voice right here. God, would you heal us, restore us, renew us through Jesus. Thank you for everything that you've done for us. 
Help us, God, to turn to you and give you our full selves and watch what you can do in us. In Christ's name.